everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I'm your host, Aliza Kelly, and I am so, so, so excited to finally be talking to my very good friend who I have known from even before I was doing anything with astrology, which is wild. That is how long we have known each other. It's Mike Zegan, but also goes by Michael Zegan. So I, it's some, it's one of those options. You may know him as Joel Maisel from the incredibly iconic show, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mike, Michael, Hello. Pisces. <laughs> yeah, right. It's so nice to connect with you. Thank you so much for doing this. Of course, of course. Yeah, it's weird. Some people, you know, throughout my life, people call me Mike. Some people have called me Zegan or Michael, but you know, it's it's so weird because it's so specific to who that person is, uh, you know, what, whatever name they call me. Well, how do you introduce yourself? I mean, these days I'm Michael. It's my, it, I mean, it's it's my actual name and, and uh, <laughs> it's, per- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I guess it's my professional name. Uh, when I first started, I was like, should I be Mike or, but, you know, I think it's, it's just more, I don't know, mature, adult, classy. Mike is like a pet With name. Mike, you don't want to have to get into like, Mikey, right? You know, I was you never a Mikey, despite. You don't, you, yeah, I, you don't have I the was Mikey a big Goonies aura. fan, but I, I was never a Mikey. What are yeah? There's, I guess, Mikey is like if you were Mikey Zegan, that would be a very different <laughs> type of a character. I know, I know. <laughs> well, even Mike Zegan and Michael Zegan are two different types of people. But interesting. Well, this is this is all very uh, in line with your birth chart, which is that you are a Gemini rising. So that duality is very important. Ah, okay, right. You are Sagittarius moon, Pisces sun. So you are, I think I've described you before as like the mutable king, even though you've been like, I don't know what that means, which leads me to my the first order of business, which is that I, I so appreciate your friendship and the fact that you have just been so chill with the fact that I have imposed all of my astrological interpretations of your chart on you with like very little context and very little information, just saying like, oh, you're psychic. Oh, you're so intuitive. Of course, you know that you have a completely psychic chart. And you're like, okay, (laughs) no problem. Like, (laughs) sounds good. But that's because I've always been in tune with with this stuff. And I've always been fascinated by astrology and i mean i know you're not a psychic but you know psychics in general and my grandmother i told you this my grandmother used to like carry around a dream book and she would you know i'd tell her when i was a little kid i'd tell her my dream and she would tell me the definite the the meaning behind it and uh and her mother in the ukraine was a tarot card reader really yeah Mm -hmm. mm-hmm yeah that's how she like made her money Oh, like professionally? Yeah, I mean, wow. it was a, it was a small town, but um, she was the the resident psychic. Well, it is it is a very old profession, and I do think that it's it's sort of interesting to think about like the the folk traditions of all of these. You know, a lot of the time, it's you know, it comes from this place of survival of like I need to make money. What are my skill sets? And you know, from the beginning of time. Uh, People have wanted to be able to tap into their intuition, into what, you know, is the future, what's going to happen. Mm. And on your show, in the very first episode, right. when I came to the, when you invited me to the premiere, there was a wonderful psychic uh, who was also <laughs> incorporated and felt a tarot reader, astrologer. And I was like, oh, I feel so seen. So <laughs> let me ask you now, finally, rather than just tell you, do you feel like you have psychic extrasensory abilities? Uh, to a degree. Yeah. I mean, nothing crazy. I can't, you know, uh, foretell plane crashes or anything like that. But I, I have had, you know, dreams before and then I wake up and, and something immediately reminds me of that dream. Like, I, I don't know, like I'll, I'll have a dream about ducks and then I, I wake <laughs> up. No, but it's so random. It's never like something important. It's like, you know, I'll have a dream about ducks and then I wake up and look at my email and like I have an email uh, uh, about ducks for some reason. It's it's always like weird stuff like that. Nothing, nothing crazy. Yeah. And you, there's a duck in your apartment and you're like, how'd you yeah, get I'm in like, here? Yeah, I'm like, oh, my dream, right. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. <laughs> so it's more of like sort of, do you feel like it is through your dreams that you receive most of your psychic that you have like the closest direct line to your psychic connection. It would make sense because that was what your grandmother also fortified. 
is that right. she you would tell her your dreams and then she would say, oh, like, here's how we can interpret them and understand them. Yeah, except that they were always like... Ducks. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't... No, it, it, she would always say, oh, that means, uh, you know, that's good. That's good. That's, you're you're going to come into money. That was pretty much, you know, it was never a bad. It was never well, a did bad you? thing. I mean, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> she went, that, I mean, so maybe it was like, you know, the dreams were... Uh, anticipating it went from mikey to mike to michael down the line (laughs) the whole future trajectory but yeah probably you know i guess like like anybody else though i also have those things where you think about somebody they're they're like really on your mind and then all of a sudden you see them or you think you see somebody on the street and you're like oh no that's not them but then five minutes later you see that actual person you know like weird weird stuff like that um uh, projection or what i forget what it's called well, the sy- I, I would call them synchronicities, but I would also okay. say that there are no coincidences. So it's like, if you see that person on the street and then they're not that actual person, but then you do see that person, it's almost like, I don't know, it's like foreshadowing. It's, yeah, like, it's like, it's sort of like right. setting you up to have that information and to like already begin the process of emotionally being present for when you are with that person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, right. I feel like it's it's almost like I mean I I do think that there is a level of prediction in that it's like your own intuition's way of being able to be like prepare yourself to see this person <laughs> like <laughs> you had a false run in but there they actually are. This one time I was uh, I was on Facebook. This was years ago because I rarely go on Facebook anymore. But um, I was on Facebook and like there was this kid from high school who, you know, his profile popped up or whatever. And I was thinking about, I was like, ah, what, how is he doing? Like, what happened to that guy? And then I was, I was later in the day, I was literally outside my apartment and I see from far away, this person running towards me. And it was like, they were drenched in sun. It was, it was, they were like golden. And, uh, and as they came closer and closer, I was like, I think that's Dan. And and it was it was it was the person I was thinking of that day, and why I didn't even it, know he he lived in my he neighborhood. Look like that? Why was he like so? Why was he in a halo and running? Um, he's he was always <laughs> he, he, <laughs> that doesn't count like for this, that. Yeah, in high school he was always this like golden god. He was he was such a just a decent good person, and uh, yeah, I don't know. And and he was I, I swear he was he was glowing. <laughs> Did he have a and message yeah, to deliver? He, well, uh, did he have a message? Well, he he he. We got lunch like a, I guess a few days later, and just caught up, and um, you know we've we've kept in touch ever since. So no message yet, but I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, one. but if we know anything, we know that sometimes things take a while. Yeah, sure. He's a good person. I'd love to reconnect again. If you're listening, Golden God, <laughs> show yourself. <laughs> Shine your light on this dark time, please. It is. Yeah. We we need your golden aura. No, he's around. I've I've actually seen him. He's 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 still in my neighborhood. So still glowing. Uh, yeah, always. Always. <laughs> Good. So you're psychic, fabulous, confirmed. Now I will feel less guilty about when I impose that upon you. Why would be I be offended that you would say that I'm psychic? Well, I feel like, you know, since we have known each other for so many years and I have my relationship with astrology and this whole world has changed dramatically. Like it went from, you know, being interested in it as like a very young person in my early 20s to end up, you know, building an entire business out of it. Mm -hmm. And also part of that has been learning how to you know, be more ethical and responsible in the way that I talk about astrology, the, what, the things I tell people, you know, the way that I, um, if I'm going to look at somebody's chart, like not to just like haphazardly casually make observations, like, you know, it's, it could, it's not a good use of anyone's energy. Um, right. But I've had to learn that through time. So you have, you were, you know, I kind of tested a lot of that out on you and like, just like throwing things at you, calling you names, <laughs> saying you're psychic. And I wouldn't do that anymore because it's, I would want somebody to come to those, to, to define that for themselves. You know, I wouldn't impose a narrative or overly interpret anyone's chart because it would be 
you know, it's, those are the types of things that I feel like can be really destructive in somebody's experience with this. If somebody tells you you're something, if it's not positive for you, it was not, it it wasn't negative, but even still, it's like, that is, you know, I just, I'm, I don't play that way anymore. Yeah. But because we have been friends for so many years, I, when I, you know, I remember, I think it was like, even in 2013, like, just like throwing around like Pisces, like this and this and this, and these are the things that are associated with it and like sort of giving you all of that. And, but now that you say confirmed, I feel no shame. Well, I've told (laughs) you this before. Like I've always thought that I was a little bit in tune with the spirit world as well. I've, I've had ghostly encounters. You Um, have? Yeah. I, I, I mean a few times. Yeah. Well, do you remember when we summoned the spirit in... Yes, uh, of course. Well, okay, yeah. Forget? Well, yeah. just so everybody knows, we, we fucked around <laughs> we with the Ouija... We summoned the spirit, yeah. <laughs> We summoned a spirit. We fucked around with the Ouija board on the Jersey Shore. It's to- totally a normal thing to do, Labor Day weekend. And yeah, yeah we connected with the ghost. Yeah, we, we bought a Ouija board. Well, we won a Ouija board. We won a well. We, actually very we bought it. Let's be honest. We, we spent... <laughs> all day at an arcade and compiled 1500 tickets which cost us about $200. So we 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 bought this Ouija board. Um, we overpaid <laughs> this Ouija board. Yes, it was a $200 Ouija board. And so that night we had a séance of sorts, right? That's what they call it. And uh and it was I remember it was pouring rain and we had the candles all around and it was it was like eight of us. And, you know, we were we were calling the spirits and at this just also to set the scene at this like very like uh, nominally decorated Airbnb, a flipped house Airbnb in the Jersey Shore. Like there was nothing particularly spooky or elegant or refined about the place we were staying. It was very sort of just like what you would imagine a cookie cutter Airbnb to look like. (laughs) And, and it was, it was on uh, a parking lot. Like it was, was (laughs) right next to it was a parking lot. We got in contact with this spirit. Um, He told us his name was Frank. I remember that. He told us that he died in a fire in 1978, right? 78 or 79 (laughs) yeah it was the 70s and and by the way um i never believed in ouija boards before and i thought that you were were rigging it and then because it (laughs) felt like do you remember it felt at one point it felt like it was trying to like rise off the off the board Mm -hmm. like the the little uh what is it called the thing that your fingers are on yes everybody's fingers were on it and it was moving around it's called a planchette a planchet, okay. At, at one point, it literally, it felt like it was trying to, to rise off the board, and we were, like, holding it down. And I could have sworn, I really thought that was you fucking with us. But then <laughs> so all of a sudden, you, like, you, you like got your... Why you think it was me? There were eight Well, people. because you're the resident, you know, astrologer. And, <laughs> and at one point, you took your fingers off. You were, like, you just took your fingers off, and it was still moving. Um, so then I was, you know, after that, I was a believer. But... So he tells us his name is Frank. He said he died in a fire in the 70s. And then, and then he disappeared. We couldn't get in contact with him anymore. And then the next day, we, were, we walked outside, and it was our friend Phil. He, he goes, you guys, look at that. And there's a big sign next to the house and it, uh, for the parking lot, and it was called Frank's Lot. Yes. Frank, the yes. ghost yes. that we were talking yes. to. And this it was, was also lot. something that was not visible from where we were situated when we were doing no, 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 the Ouija it, board. Yeah. It was like it an old sign that was like painted on a wall, right? Uh, no, it was it was a freestanding, like it was... It was <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, I only know this because I have pictures of it. Um, yeah, it was like a freestanding sign, uh, like on a pole. Old? But What's that? Was it old? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't new, but yeah, you know, and it wasn't like somebody had seen that and then they were like, I'm going to screw with you with these guys. Like, it wasn't anything like that. Nobody even looked twice at that. Well, Mike, that I don't think we put this together, actually, which is that the next day. So I was sleeping in the living room on mm-hmm. a very uncomfortable couch. I remember there. You and Phil were in the bunk beds. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, two other friends, and then there were two couples, and they were both in the bedrooms. And I woke up to fire, fire, oh, fire, yeah. fire, yeah. and some smoke alarm was going off. And right. it was like everyone was like, it was like 
six o'clock in the morning or something. Everyone was like, wait, like rolled out of their beds, stumbled to like try to figure out what was going on with this horrendous smoke alarm that was screaming fire. I was like, everyone out. And then as it turned out, it was because I guess Emily had turned the heat up so much that it had started a fire in the wall or so, or created smoke or something. But I didn't put it together that we had just also summoned the spirit of someone who potentially died in a fire. I didn't put that together either. We, nobody did. Nobody put it together. <laughs> uh, so, wow. That is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I think we were all so like, I mean, and then we were like, what do we do with the Airbnb? Like there were so many technical things that needed we needed to figure out at the at the big fire smoke alarm incident. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and then there have been other instances ever since I was even a little kid. I remember having little ghostly experiences. Um, I mean, they, they were probably all in my mind. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I've had that sleep paralysis thing that people talk oh, really? about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A few times. A few times. Um, one time in particular, I was lying on my couch. I, I, I was taking a nap. It, I remember it was mid, uh, midday. And, you know, I woke up and I heard, I couldn't move. This was the first time it had happened to me and I couldn't move. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And I heard this voice and it was like a guy in my apartment and he was super angry. He was stomping around. It it sounded like he was like on the phone with somebody stomping around and felt like he was coming over towards me. And then like I felt him like lean over on, uh, on the couch and, you know, over me. And then I snapped out of it. And, Whoa! Yeah. How old were you? This was I don't know. Uh, I think when I first moved into my apartment um, down in the village. So an adult person. Yeah. yeah so it yeah, wasn't yeah. like you could like run to your mom and be like, what no, happened? no. <laughs> so so what? How did you like reconcile that? I I just went about my day. I, I didn't really. I mean, it was a little. It was a freaky experience. But you know, I guess I also thought, oh, I guess I must have been dreaming. It must have been a dream world. But it didn't feel like that. It felt, and it's happened since. It's happened, uh, you know, usually, um, usually, like, if I'm taking a nap, it's, it's, yeah, it doesn't usually happen when I'm in a deep sleep or anything, but um, I've, I've had it again where I, I, it was actually, yeah, I was taking a nap in my bed, and I heard all these voices, and I couldn't move, and then finally I snapped out of it. I even, like, I, I, I sat up, and I was like, hey, guys, like, you know, if I'm not here, do whatever you want. You can have a party. But if I'm here, like, can you just keep it down? <laughs> wow. Yeah. I yeah. said it out loud. I was, just, I was, I was not fooling around. Did they, ha- have they had parties again since then? Or have they been respectful of your boundaries? I think, um, I think for the most part, they've been respectful. I mean, I, have, I haven't had too many problems, but this is an old building. And it's, you know, I've, I've seen pictures of it from the 1920s. So it's an old building, and I'm sure people have died in this building, you know, and I'm sure, I don't know what I believe in, but I do believe in energy and a lot, of, because, you know, I've, I've just seen a lot of, like, cop shows, and they do employ psychics to come and, and uh, feel energy and find bodies, and I mean, and they do, it works. Do you feel like places are haunted, th- objects are haunted, or people are haunted, or all of the above in various ways. Yeah, I think all of the above. I think, uh, I, like I said, I do think that there's some sort of energy, you know, that we leave behind and it attaches itself, whether it's uh, uh, to a person or to, you know, uh, uh, a home. Yes, I, I think that all of the above is correct too. I don't, in my like sort of personal philosophy of things, I don't really think that haunted things can jump from thing to thing. No, I like, don't believe that either. I don't feel like if you're hanging out with a haunted person, like you're going to become a haunted person or like, but I guess like maybe why would an object be haunted? I guess because it had to have come from some sort of a haunted place, right? Well, or no, or it, it, it just meant a lot to this person who left it behind. Right, right. As of a few months ago, I started spending time upstate and I, when I was looking at different places, I found it was in actually in the like the very beginning of the pandemic. So it was impossible to go on any like to do any tours. You couldn't see anything. You had to rely solely on pictures, which was is not the ideal way to really be trying to find yeah. a home. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. 
because especially because energy is so deeply important in sure. spaces. So we were looking at different places and there was one that at the time seemed sort of to fit all of our needs and it was great. But at, when we were looking at the pictures, there was one room in particular and it was like, I was really, I just loved it. And that we didn't end up getting that house and it was not, you know, it was just, I'm very grateful we didn't, but I kept thinking about the fucking room and I realized like, oh my God, I didn't like the house. I liked the fucking furniture. I was obsessed with oh. that furniture. So I reached out to the people and like after we had already, you know, started moving forward with another place and I reached out to the people and I was like, hey, like is if you, if the people that you end up working with don't want the furniture, like I would love to buy it because, and I hadn't even seen it in person. This is just purely from picture. I just was so oh, wow. into it. And he said yes, and we came up with a deal, and it was, like, such a schlep. Like, the furniture is, like, so fucking heavy and big, and it's old, and it's wood. But I found out while we were moving it into the U-Haul that it came from a hotel in the Catskills. And it's – which I actually is a wonderful tie-in to talking about Maisel. But Mm -hmm. it was from an old resort in the Catskills. And it's all of this like big old like 1950s mid-century furniture hotel style, you know, like mm-hmm. where it's kind of like it's it's like aggressively ornate, you know, it's like sort of like you are in a resort like this is you are this is luxury. So it's like yeah. like it has like gilding on it and it has like weird, you know, design features and like everything has a glass top because that was easier to clean. Right. So I, and the furniture is also fucking huge. Like I did not do the measuring tape and now I'm like, you know, I don't even know where to put half of it because it's just giant pieces. But fast forward to literally two days ago, my mom is up here and I'm, she's in a room and I have the, uh, you know, some of that furniture set up a big dresser, a big mirror and I've already thought a lot about this furniture and how it's sort of like, what it, where did it come from? Like, what is the story of this cat? Like, what Catskills Hotel did yeah. this come from? Yeah, there were hundreds And of my them. mom comes downstairs to have dinner. And granted, she's high on weed gummies, so this could be a variable. But <laughs> she was like, she said, I had a, like a, a vision as I was like lying in the bed, looking out the window of being in a hotel. And there were palm trees like behind me and it was like a tropical theme. She did not know that that furniture came from a hotel in the Catskills. And she <laughs> had this like whole like she like a uh, vision of being in a hotel of being sort of transported. And I was like, well, that does it. That is portal furniture. You know, it's oh, wow. I don't know if it's haunted. I don't know if it's just very energetically charged. But to me, it's like that. That's it. <laughs> I have all the confirmation I need. I thought you were going to say she she was like that 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 furniture is from the Catskills hotel that I used to summer in. It's you uh, know, it's honestly possible because yeah. she did. So maybe without and when she was young. So it it's possible that it's furniture that has already interacted with my family, which is yeah. also really wild to think about, but that's that's life. <laughs> that's I the know, magic yeah. of it all. So that's actually a wonderful segue into talking about in talking about Maisel because it there's Catskills Borscht Belt narrative yes. on it. Um, so we can talk about that component of it certainly, but I also am curious to talk about just sort of how that ended up becoming part of your life. Your, I mean, it changed your life. So like the journey to that point and to that show and sort of how, I guess, you would think about it more, I guess, retrospectively, introspectively, emotionally, all of those things. Uh, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's like, uh, it's something I've been waiting for my entire life. I, my dream was always to be, well, it was always to be an actor. My dream was always to be an actor. I can't remember a time when it wasn't. I don't know what led me to uh, want this career so badly, but it's, I, I think I just love, I love TV. I love, I love movies and I always wanted to be a part of that world. And, um, and yeah, this is just the culmination of, of everything because I, I've been waiting. I was, you know, I, I, I started working right off the bat after college. I, I, I wasn't like a 
child actor or anything like that. I, I did go to college. I wanted to be a child actor. I mean, I grew up in New Jersey, close to the city, and I, I wanted that. Um, but, you know, my parents wanted me to have a normal life. And, and I think that that's what I would want for my kids, too. No, like learning about the business and being in the business. I think, you know, I, I don't think my, I would want my kids to experience that kind of rejection at, a, at an early age. I think it, it would fuck with you. Mm-hmm. but uh but yeah but i i wanted it i did you know i rejection be damned i still i still wanted it and um i i started working right off the bat but it wasn't until Maisel that i i really found a home you know it was it was really like i've never been a series regular on anything before i've always been a recurring character and and that has been great because it's allowed me to kind of hop around from show to show and i've been on some amazing shows and you know, TV shows that I was a fan of, and then all of a sudden I'm I'm on the show. So it's been really cool. But this was the first time where it was like this new show and this character that um, I can create and evolve with, and watch him evolve, and um, and just and learn. You know, learn about about uh, filmmaking and knowing uh, that I'm going to be in the next episode. You know, not wondering am I going to be in the next episode, knowing full well that my my character's journey is, con- is going to continue from episode to episode. So it's been a dream come true. So whenever I am working with clients who are aspiring or are in the process of building their careers, I should say, I always tell them, especially when they're younger, I'm like, okay, well, when did you start? Give yourself, know that this is at least 10 years, you know, like yeah, minimum 10, 10 years. years. Uh-huh, do you, so do you think that that's fair advice? It's, it's fair advice. It, you know, I, I'm sure people will cite examples of, of actors that where it didn't take 10 years, but um, more often than not, even those actors, you know, you could point them to the fact that uh, they, these actors probably started acting when they were a little kid and it still took them 10 yeah, actors. I, I mean, that's always the mind fuck to me is like, you don't realize like it's, you know, obviously like some of the biggest actors and actresses that we know who yeah. were famous in their early 20s started when they were, when they were like six 10, years yeah. old yeah yeah absolutely they had um, stage parents i mean huge act you know scarlett johansson jake gyllenhaal these people jude they, they law. started jude law did too yeah. is that right wow um yeah so i mean they started way earlier than i did and uh yeah it it, it does it takes 10 years it um for you to really cement yourself you know you could be working during those 10 years but i feel like t- to really cement yourself it takes about 10 years. Even even Rachel uh, Brosnahan from my show, you know, I think she started acting, uh, auditioning professionally when she was like 16. Uh, so in Chicago, but she was working. She was she was uh, really learning. I mean, that's that's the whole thing is the you know, the reason why it takes 10 years is because you have to learn. You have to learn how to audition. Auditioning is an entirely different beast than acting. So, you know, because acting, you already have the part. You're, you're not as nervous. You, in an audition room, you have to learn how to use those nerves to, to you know, better yourself, to, to, to get this part. Because they're, the ner- you're constantly working against your nerves. So do you, that's so interesting. So do you think that, like, how do you, like, you're auditioning for a part that you know that when you're actually there, you're going to play differently than you are within the context of the audition, Right. Well, so, you, I mean, not necessarily differently. It's just that you have no direction. That you're you're going in there based on what you think the character should be, and you don't have anybody telling you differently. And and when you get into this room, they might tell you, "Oh, you're you know, play it this way," and you have to be able to kind of turn on a dime and and uh, and take direction right away and and implement it in, into your into your performance and sort of have I, I guess like have very strong intuition as to like how to embody that direction so i guess that's where intuition would come into well intuition comes in i think at first also i mean you're you're going on on instinct you're you know at least i am i'm i'm you know you read something and my instincts are telling me that he's like this and then i go in like that and then they might tell me he's oh no he's like something else and then you have to be able to make adjustments and you know in in a matter of seconds that sounds very stressful. Oh yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> it's the that worst. Sounds horrible. Auditioning's terrible. Nobody wants to audition. You want to, you know, as an actor, you want to get to a place where you don't have to audition anymore, where people are just offering you roles, and and that's, you know, I mean, that's the dream. It's rare. I think even even the biggest actors sometimes audition. 
Yeah. I guess what are the, what are people looking for in that space? They're looking for someone who they think is going to bring that character to life in the way that they, do they already have a vision for that character or it really depends? I think that these people probably are, are waiting for their vision of the character to come into that door. However, you might do something that makes them think, oh, wait, maybe that character is uh, different than I had originally thought. And maybe this is the character. You know, I, I mean, they just want to see that character walk in the door, they, you know, regardless of whether or not they had uh, an idea about it. Mm-hmm. prior mm-hmm. i think they just they're just waiting for that guy to come into the door mm-hmm. so I, I think they don't they're open you i mean you hope that they're open are there things that you could point to or characteristics or attributes of somebody who you think would be i don't i mean obviously there's just pure luck but i don't really fully fuck with luck like i really do feel like luck is waiting at a bus stop and you have to just be there at the, you know, you have to commit to being there in order to know that you're going to get on the bus. Like luck is not going to just like drop down from the heavens. You have to sort of be in the space and be willing and have the fare to board the luck bus, you know? You know, I, I, (laughs) I haven't told this story actually. And it just kind of popped in my head just now. This is an exclusive. Yeah. (laughs) But when I was in college, I was interning, it was like my, the summer going into my junior year of college, and I was interning in, in the city, because I, like I said, I grew up in New Jersey, so I, I was interning in New York City, and I was interning at Sony Music Studios on 54th Street, and during my lunch break, and, and by the way, I don't even know why I was interning there, I thought, I, I knew I wanted to, to do something that had to do with the entertainment industry, and Somebody hooked me up with with an interview there, and it was not even remotely close to like what I wanted to do. But like I, you know, I was like, oh, Sony, okay, they have something to do with something, you know, with sort of like the industry that I want to be in. But I thought I could make connections that way, and I did see Martin Scorsese once there. So (laughs) you know, whatever. But um, but yeah. So during my lunch break, I would walk over to the David Letterman Theater. Um, to it's the you know the Ed Sullivan Theater, and I would walk over there, hope, and I would just hang around. I would like buy lunch and then eat lunch like in front of the theater, hoping that somebody would like a casting director would come out and be like, "Hey, you, you, you look like you'd be good for my show," you know. And then cut to like three years later, and I auditioned for a character on Letterman at the Ed Sullivan Theater, and. Um, and I got the part. I played Dwight the Troubled Teen for two years, uh, you know, almost weekly on the uh, on the the David Letterman show. And uh, I, you know, I did the show Rescue Me, and and my audition and callback was in the Ed Sullivan uh, Theater. It was in that it, you know they have offices above it, and so I just feel like that theater. There's something going on between me and and ed sullivan or something you know i don't don't know (laughs) we'll have to look at your charts together i think that that's actually i i feel like to distill that what that makes me think of is sort of like being near the thing that you are that you desire like keeping yourself sort of close to it and being having sort of a specific sort of vision of what could happen and keeping yourself near it, and then also like being patient, waiting. But right. I also think that there's something to be said for being strategic about how you are close to something. No, of course. And I was going to say that. I mean, I, I, I also, you know, a lot of the advice that I give to young actors is just get out, just get out there. That any premiere party you're invited to, any, you know, anything where where you, and I mean, even just a regular party, it doesn't have to be connected to the industry. I, I met my manager who I've been with for over 15 years now. I mean, I, I met her at a party that I had no intention of going to, that I just got talked into it. And it was, it was a life-changing event. But how do we do that in a COVID world? Good question. I don't know. Are there Zoom parties <laughs> these days? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Well, look, COVID's going to be over. There's going to be a vaccine. When, when is COVID going to be over? If you it'll have that be over psychic, at some what, what was your last dream about it? <laughs> No, I mean, it's, it's going to end at some point. They're going to have some cure, you know, at some point. So I think the, the, 
the country will resume, the world will resume, hopefully sooner rather than later. But yeah, in the meantime, you know, yeah, I, I mean, look, every, every profession is struggling right now. But once it is over, get out there and, uh, and probably wear a mask for a, you know, a period <laughs> of time while you're out there. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, yes, of course, this is, this is pre-COVID. I was telling people, like, go to parties, yeah, mingle. <laughs> <laughs> Don't misconstrue this episode as, yeah, right. as Mike is telling everyone <laughs> no, to stay inside, wear a mask. Super spreader events, no <laughs> mask. <laughs> Scream, show your range, do yeah. all of the things, spread the droplets. <laughs> No, obviously in a different time. But yes, I oftentimes when I talk to clients and I this also is true for myself in a lot of ways um, in my own journey, I, you know, I'll be working with them and trying to sort of extract like what do they want? And then when we sort of get into the rest of their life and what's going on, I see that there are all of these things that are antithetical to what they want. You know, there are things that are just, you know, like somebody who's like, I, I just recently spoke with a client who was like, I really, you know, I want to be an actor. It is the most important thing to me. And, you know, it is everything that I aspire to. And then later in the conversation, it also, you know, they have a nine to five job and, you know, that role is really important to them. And, you know, they've seen growth and they're really good at it. And there's no problem with that. But it doesn't correspond with them wanting to be an actor. You know, it doesn't, it's not going to assist them in that other aspect of their life. And that's okay. You know, we are multidimensional. We can have lots of things happening simultaneously. But I think that we need to at least bring an awareness to the things that are, um, you know, if we're like, well, why is nothing happening with my career in acting or any really creative industry, but really any industry? And it's like, well, we have to kind of look holistically at all of the other things that are at play, because if you're putting your energy into also wanting to be promoted at your day job and, and taken seriously in that role, of course, it's going to affect your acting career. There's no way it wouldn't, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 I say this, too. If, if you want to be uh, a part of the business, you have to work in the business. You have to learn about the business. You have to spend all your time and energy like focusing on this business. You can't, I've told like, especially, you know, I have friends who are writers and who, you know, want to be screenwriters. And then they have, they do have a nine to five job. And I, I always told them, I, you know, you should try to get a job on a show. And I know that's not the easiest thing to do, but I, I you know, there are production assistants and, and you know, PAs and you could really work your way up from being a PPA. You, you make these connections. You meet a lot of people. You meet writers. You know, you hang out with writers. And, and they can help you get ahead because it really is all about who you know. It, it is. And, and I, I, I'm, you know, I hate it when people say that as an excuse uh, for why they didn't get to where they wanted to be. Because, you know, they say, oh, well, you have to have connections. And, and it's like, yeah, but you have to make those connections. You have to meet the people who are going to connect you. Um, you can't just, you know, just dismiss it and see, say, you know, well, yeah, you know, they got ahead because they had a connection. Well, they they obviously put in the work and the time and they made those connections. Yes. So, and, as, and, and relationships are built over a really long amount of time. For which sure. Which is also why it's not just something that can, you know, there's like the mythology of something happening overnight. But I would say that that's you know, we can now reserve that for like viral videos as opposed to the entertainment industry at large. Right. And also you, these connections, the, the connections don't happen overnight. You know, they have to be genuine. You have to meet somebody and, and really connect with that person. Cause I've seen it happen the other way where, you know, you meet somebody at a party and then all of a sudden they're reaching out and being like, Hey, <laughs> dude, what's up? Like, yeah, we're, we're friends now. And it's like, I don't, I barely remember you. And I, I don't mean to sound like a dick, but you know, you want these connect. If, if I'm going to help somebody out, I have to believe in them. I have to, I have to really know them. Yeah. And you have to have a vested interest in it. Oh my goodness. When I was living in Los Angeles, it was, and I was not even ever working in the entertainment industry, but that 
<laughs> like that, that like parasitic energy of like right, right. who you know and like mm-hmm. you know the name dropping um, yeah. of it, it was just it's as weird. a Pisces moon <laughs> it was <laughs> I was very overwhelmed by it because yeah. it was so like like I don't even it was like people would just talk in names of other people mm-hmm. and I was like I don't even know what you're saying to me I I'm not even <laughs> listening to I, I what's the point of you saying this are you introducing yourself as all of these other people, like is or is your identity <laughs> right, a right. construction of everyone you've of ever had you an know. interaction with? Right, and that yeah. is, I think, especially in a world where it is so relationship driven and it is so like ego driven, and there's all of these. I mean, it, it and there's so much illusion, and there's so much sort of like bullshitting. Yeah, well, it's de- that's you know, why it's a lot of genuinity it. is so important. You know, sure. It's a lot of desperation, and, and and rightly so. I get it. It's a tough business. It's a really tough business. It's it's not something like we said. It's not something that happens overnight. You really have to invest in it. And the m- most important thing is you have to learn about it. You have to like read. I mean, there are websites where they tell you like you know like Deadline Hollywood um, stuff like that, where it tells you who who's buying what movie and who the producers are on this and who's being cast in this. And it's actually like the most depressing thing because you read it and you're like, why wasn't that me? Why wasn't that me? But it's a really good way to, to just get to know the business and learn about who the players are. And mm-hmm. I think that that's really important mm-hmm. because yeah. otherwise, you know, you could be in an, in an audition and somebody drops a name, whether, whether it's an actor or, or a director or a producer. And, and you're just like, huh? For me, it's like, oh, that's not somebody I really want to work with. I want somebody who, who knows their shit. Right. Yeah. I think that it's... I mean, one of the core truths of my practice, which I think is also kind of would be surprising for some for a skeptic to know is that is veracity. You know, it's like being super honest, like Mm -hmm. being super honest with what you want, being super with yourself, being super honest with your relationships, being super honest with how you move through the world and not diluting yourself and telling yourself false stories, but at the same time also giving yourself plenty of room for hope and excitement and and manifestation and like your dreams, you know? It's like, yeah. it's kind of like you sort of simultaneously have to be really honest with yourself about where you are while also being really honest with about what you want. And those sure. have to kind of be two separate things, but they both require... Honesty. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You have to be just like direct with both of them. You have to be yourself. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I was saying, that's why auditions are so difficult because you walk in and you're trying to be confident, you know, you're trying to exude this air of confidence and it's so hard to do that when you're so nervous, you know, you're so, you're nervous out of your gourd. And, uh, and you, you try to pretend like you're somebody you're not. So what do you, how do you manage the nervous energy? Do you have any techniques for it? No, it's just time. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's getting used to that, that energy and, and, and learning how to use it because you, you want to walk into that room and, and you don't want to be boring, you know? And I think a way to not, uh, <laughs> to avoid being boring is, is to use this to be nervous crazy. energy. You, yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> you know, ta- you have to, to corral it. Oprah. <laughs> yeah, you can't be crazy. You can't be running all over the room and acting nuts. But, um, but you do. It's a combination of you know, of using the energy to your advantage and also corralling it. You know, stopping it from from getting out of hand. <laughs> because For it sure. can. I mean, it can. I've, I, you know, uh, another job I had was, um, was I, I interned for a casting director. And uh, that was the next summer, my summer going into, into senior year. And, uh, and I, I learned so much about auditioning from, from being in the room. You know, I was, I was the guy who's like, who has the, the video camera. I was taping the auditions. And just, I mean, I've, I saw so many different types of auditions. I saw people break down. You were the casting couch video director? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> there was no casting couch in this office. Can, but... That'll be a soundbite. Great. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you know, it was, I watched a few people cry. Like cry as part of their... No, they were, they were, they were just so nervous that they started crying. And um, yeah, and it happened multiple times. It wasn't just once. It happened a few times and it's very uncomfortable. And, you know, I felt really bad for these, for these actors. 
But you, oh. can, you so you don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't can you that. cry on an audition if that is what the character wants? Oh yeah, sure. So, but not if it's not if it has nothing to do with the, no. If with you're, what if you're, you're reading just, for, if you're just telling, you know, I, I it, it it actually I think it, it was really um, it came from the casting director herself who kind of put these people in that position and made them cry, and she was not um, the nicest person. And yeah, I actually thought that that's what all casting directors were like, and they're not at all. It's it's it. <laughs> I mean that that I've never seen that ever again. Or else, I mean, it's never happened to me. I remember one time this this woman came in and she was talking about you know she she did the audition but she was kind of fumbling and 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 tripped over lines a few times and uh, the casting director was like what's up and she was like I'm sorry I just didn't have time to learn this I've got you know I have a baby at home and she just kind of broke down and it was like oh man she was so nervous oh god that's horrible yeah and people are nervous they're shaking I mean sh- I get the shakes a lot of the time I've I've, I've, I've I do too yeah you you know and that's why I try to memorize as much as I can for an audition especially if it's something I want really badly because if I'm in there and I have paper in my hand it's it's gonna start shaking I just I can't control it yeah that I that my nervous energy comes out in my hands too which is why when I in different things where I know I've been nervous and they've been like can you hold a birth chart and I'm like no like you're gonna have to do some image of it because like it's gonna (laughs) it's gonna be like trembling and it's gonna look horrendous it it, it even happens when I'm uh doing a play you know I do theater and and I'll be doing a play sometimes and either either it's like opening night or maybe there's somebody in the audience who I'm really nervous about and uh I remember I I was there was a a scene I did in this play where like I had to toast I had to like hold up a glass and my hand was just shaking and I tr- I was like stop it stop it please but um but yeah there's nothing there's nothing I can do about it I used to um pee on myself <laughs> when ah, I was really nervous it was okay. a really big problem and I've never heard of that I was um Lady Montague in my seventh or eighth grade production of Romeo and Juliet huge okay. role a once in a lifetime opportunity and i just you know it was like i had at that point i was like 13 so like i knew that when i got nervous i peed and i so i like prepped i like peed but when i was waiting in the wings of my auditorium it was like i just was going to pee on myself and i did and i peed on myself and then i had to do the i had to do the whole scene with pee on my Wait, body. so you you peed on yourself or you peed yourself? I, <laughs> what's the difference? I peed I in my pants. Peed, I like, peed, peed in my on costume. Yourself. You were like putting your hands down there. <laughs> no, and... no, I wasn't catching it. I was just peeing. I peed. Oh, I peed God. in my underwear and I peed on my costume. And I, and you know, the thing is, is that it's still an impulse. Like I have to now, like even when I was just doing the Drew Barrymore show, I had to like sort of psych myself into it. It's like walking onto, you know, like through the hallways in preparation of knowing that like within just a few moments, you know, it's going to be happening. It's like there, I have that now like fear of like, is, am I going to be Lady Montague or Capulet? I forget actually which side I was on, but am I going to be a lady, (laughs) a peeing lady again? Well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, uh, I've actually had some bad panic attacks. That kind of sounds like what you, you're suffering through a little bit. <laughs> Can't diagnose this. It's, well, it's a peeing disorder. It's, it's, yeah, it's not, uh, you know, full-blown panic attack, but it sounds like it could get to that point. And, and I've had certain circumstances where it did get to the point where, like, I was freaking out. Like, I, I, was, I was on live television once. I was doing an interview and, and just, I mean, everything started spinning. Wow. Um, yeah, and I was once in, I, I did a a Q and A, a Maisel Q and A with with Rachel, and it was in front of like nine hundred people, and it was just you know the two of us, and I I literally thought I, I couldn't talk. I was I I didn't realize that many people were going to be there, and it kind of threw me off guard, and and uh, my my whole family was in the audience, and I just I don't know I I got asked a question, I I kind of like couldn't get my answer out, and luckily Rachel kind of stepped in and and saved me, and I was I was literally going to be like. 
uh, you know what? Can I? I'm just gonna step off stage and and get a glass of water. I mean, there was water on the on the on the stage with me, but again, it was like I couldn't pick it up because I felt like my my hand was gonna shake. Right, because I think <laughs> you're gonna shake. Yeah, yeah, I think I even I even like picked it up and my hand was shaking. I was like, no, 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 that's not a good idea. <laughs> and I was like, I, I, so I was just gonna be like, I'm just gonna step off for a second. And I really debated whether to do that. And luckily, I didn't because I don't think I would have come back. I don't I don't know. And and luckily, I was able to work through it and just get to a place where I felt comfortable. I mean, a lot of the time, I think that's just what it is. You just got to work through it. And, uh, and I did get comfortable and I got like really comfortable and suddenly I was, I was getting <laughs> I got you comfortable. Yeah, I, I did. No, I like owned it after that. I was just like, I was on, you know, I was, I, I felt like they were in the palm of my hand and I was making people laugh and it was, it was really great. It was a real, it was kind of a breakthrough moment for me because I've always been scared of, uh, public speaking. I mean, I've, I've always, it, you know, it, it's, it's ironic as an actor, you know, be, being afraid of, of speaking in public, but I feel like it's completely different things. I mean, one, one, you're playing a character, the other, you're playing yourself. And, uh, you know, being myself is kind of scary sometimes. Spoken like a true Pisces. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, has just been so lovely to catch up with you and Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. And, you know, I think that for listeners who are like, who are not interested in the entertainment industry in any variety, like I think that these are really transferable concepts. You know, I think that at the end of the day, it's it really has to do with like, well, patience. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. It takes I mean, you know, we were saying it takes 10 years for you to succeed in this business. But I, I think in any business, it, you know, you have to put in your time. And, and like I also said, I, I, I think uh, with any profession, if you want to, you know, work in that profession, then you have to learn about that profession. You have to uh, really immerse yourself in that, in that industry and, and learn about it and make those connections within that industry. And I think that that's uh, the key to success. I actually, I do have one more question for you, yeah. which is how do you reconcile feelings of jealousy? Oh, it's, it's tough. These days it's, it's, it's better than others because I know that I do have a job uh, and I'm, I'm on a show that I love and, and I, you know, a character that I love playing, but it's, you know, it's, it's still, you see somebody gets cast in something and you're like, why didn't I get that? Why didn't I audition for that? Um, and these are also like your your colleagues. These are your peers. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely. So it's it's very like closely related. It's not just like people that are sort of out there in the ether. It's people that you are either seeing in auditions or you mm -hmm. have personal relationships with. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes they're you know best friends, and you're like, why the hell did he get that part? You know. Um, but I, I you know it's a lot better now I, I I do have a job I have a you know a, a regular gig and so that is um comforting and it does take the sting out but man I mean when I was starting out it was it really screwed with me you know you'd audition for something and there was one movie that I auditioned for eight times and and it really could have put me on the map earlier uh and, you know, and it, it, it drove me insane that I didn't get it. And because I, you know, not only do you not get it, but then the movie goes to Sundance and wins all these awards and then, you know, gets bought and you're seeing ads in the subways. I mean, there were subway posters, which, you know, could have been my face on it, but instead it was somebody else's. And, uh, and so, yeah, it eats at you. It, it really, it makes you, you know, hate the business and want to quit and you need to, you really just have to work through it and know and 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 be confident that something's going to come your way at some point whether you know whether it takes years or whatever yeah i think that it's a it's a really jealousy is like a very pervasive feeling i mean it's it's instinctual it is like part of our human dna wiring system it is like our survival mechanism is yeah. to <clears throat> to aspire to have what someone else has and to then feel like if that was something that could have been yours to feel bitter and resentful. And it's, I think that, you know, like the, there's a, I think acknowledging it is really important, but then also like managing it is really important too, because it can, it's not a particularly, it can go from motivating to destructive really Absolutely. fast. Absolutely. But um, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm in a good place. And what I've been told by people who are much bigger stars than, than myself is that it happens at every level. 
you know, people are always jealous. It's, it's never going to go away. Je- you know, jealousy does not go away. You just have to manage it better and, and just recognize the good things that you have. Um, and, and that doesn't even necessarily mean like you're, you have a, a, a job on a TV show. You know, it's just good things are good things. And, and, uh, a lot of people are in much less, uh, you know, less fortunate positions than you are. Um, and you just have to use that perspective and, uh, take it from there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, and I mean, I, I, I know people, people are probably jealous of me. And I think also realizing like, um, how, what, one is jealous of is only one tiny part of a much bigger story that you don't have access to at any given time. You know, like to covet something that someone has, whether it's a role or what you perceive to be their lifestyle or their relationship or whatever it is, like there are so many other variables that you may not want at all you if you had them you'd be like oh fuck no like i would never trade that for these things you know i i I mentioned uh the the golden god that i saw running yes of course (laughs) earlier in the conversation (laughs) and uh i i I, throughout high school i was so jealous of him because he got every this is our full circle yeah right (laughs) he got every part every like lead role in a you know he has a uh he had a, a magical voice this goes, yeah, I mean, this all goes with his, like, very, like, Grecian yes. character and time. <laughs> Voice and, uh, of an angel. And so, you know, I was always, and all the girls wanted him. Like, it, I was so jealous. I mean, we were great friends, but I was always so jealous of him. And then um, after college, he called me and told me that he was gay and that he was absolutely miserable during high school um, because he had to hide the fact that he was gay. And he had to, you know, hide it from his parents and hide it from everybody. And, and he was, he said he was so depressed and miserable, um, you know, and it just put things into perspective for me because it's like, you never know what's going on in somebody's uh, mind. You know, uh, you could be jealous of somebody and then, they, you know, they tell you that they had this horrible life and you just don't know. Right. You have no idea. Right. So I think that, you know, something that I have been um, kind of encouraging or, you know, I was in the manuscript that I just finished, I sort of tried to flesh out as like, let the thing, don't, don't worry so much about being jealous of the person, focus more on the thing that you want. Like the thing that is making you jealous. Is it because they are, you know, is it because they appear to be, you know, in a type of show that you would want to be in? Is it because they have a certain amount of money that you would want to have? Is it because of, you know, their, you know, a lifestyle thing that they do and use that as information for giving yourself direction as to like, maybe you want to dial up some aspect of your life. You know, maybe if you're coveting all of these people who have more money than you, maybe you want to start looking at jobs that have higher, that can offer a higher salary, you know, like let that be not so much about who that person is, but what the thing is that's making you feel that response and giving you that reaction because that is just information for you to then recalibrate your own choices based on what you're truly desiring. Right. Right. And also, you know, in the grand scheme of things, jealousy is really petty. And right now, especially, I mean, there's a health crisis and it's, you just have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Believe it or not. Yep. You have to, you have to put things into perspective and you have to recognize that if you are healthy, especially during this period of time, then you're incredibly lucky and fortunate and you should just take it from there. Right. Exactly. Yes. And, and you can always build up from there. Mm-hmm, absolutely. But that's like the fact that's, it's so important, which is yes. why we must wear a mask. We must <laughs> vote out Trump. Yeah. We, we must, we must change what is happening because yeah. it is mm-hmm. really just fucking with all of our mental health and our lives and our futures. And our potential. And our potential, yes. Especially, I mean, you know, my show's closed down till, for, you know, till I don't know when. So this didn't have to be this so way. So if you, if you guys want to keep watching Maisel, which I know yeah. you do, vote <laughs> wear Biden. your fucking mask <laughs> <laughs> and vote. Well, I, I love you. I'm so happy to see you. Thank I you, miss you. Too. I can't wait till we can hang out again. Yes. And thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me. 
Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>